tag team back again. Just kidding. I'm by myself. It's Jessica Taylor. Welcome back to Casually Concerned. Picking right back up where we left off last time. We're talking about self-sabotage. Last time, I took you to the grocery store in the longest story ever, where I set myself up for failure by just having a bad attitude for no apparent reason. This concept or feeling or idea of self-sabotage is literally a walking facepalm. It's a complete cloud of cringe that comes over us. It's that moment when you want to just crawl into a hole because you know that you have to accept full responsibility. Gross. This feeling of learning from your own mistakes can be super, super heavy. And frankly, I don't think any of us ever get used to it. However, I've never made a mistake because I'm perfect. But a lot of people tell me that part of growing up is making mistakes. But really, though, isn't it funny and terrible that even when we're adults, when we have way more to lose and less people to point the finger at, we still put ourselves in positions to welcome feeling like crap about ourselves or how finally something is going well after a really long, hard, stressful time of you making it happen, but you screw it all up anyway? Or how about when we get all hyped up to advocate for ourselves during a heated exchange or something that you've just prepared a really, really, really long time for, but then in the moment, you just turn into a little baby and then you leave going through your head like, why didn't I say this? Why didn't I say this? We all do it. In the moment, our rationalization and all of our practice goes out of the window. So let's just go over a few reasons why this process can be a default in our minds. Why do we do this to ourselves? Number one, we have a negative belief about ourselves. If we hold it for long enough, it becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy. I also call this the group project mentality. You know when you're in middle school and they're about to count you off for a group project and you have to count off by fours and you look at your friends and then you miscount and you think you're going to be a three, but then they say you're going to be a two. Anyway, so you get stuck in this group that you weren't prepared to be in. And for whatever reason, you've told yourself that they're not going to live up to the standard. You work yourself to the bone. You do it yourself. You rehearse all of these conversations with your teacher in case you don't get an A, saying this person didn't do this, this person didn't do this. But at the end of the day, we just do it ourselves and then it becomes a pattern and we get mad at everybody else for not reading our minds. Second thing, preconceived notions. We all have these about things that really we've never experienced or people that we've never really even met or know well. We want to stay in our safe zone for no apparent reason. For example, I have ridiculous proclivities to food. In other words, I'm a picky eater. I've convinced myself over time that I don't like shellfish. I think it's a texture thing. I don't know if I just don't like the notion of, you know, fish swimming in the sea in their own waste. Whatever it is, I will never have an oyster just for that reason. This is also considered confirmation bias. We basically use these preconceived notions to make determinations about a situation or a person. We convince ourselves of a truth that isn't even there. It's also okay to do what we're comfortable with. If we're stuck in this safe zone, it might make us feel okay. It might make us feel safe. But on the other hand, it's okay to step outside of our comfort zone. If we don't do that, we are missing out on possible opportunities. But I'll still never eat an oyster. Last point, and certainly the most simple. We are just too lazy to put in the emotional or physical work. That is also okay. But I just can't expect the best outcome if I do things that are important when I'm lazy or checked out. This is why self-care is important. If our energy tanks are more full, 
things feel less hard when we actually do them. All right, another story time. Totally worth it. Get in the zone. A few weeks ago, Nate noticed he had a flat tire in the morning and had to go get it fixed. Actually, now that I'm thinking about it, it may have been more than one nail or more than one tire. Whatever. It was a huge pain. I leave two hours later to run somewhere. I pull up and I also notice that I have a flat tire. Luckily, I was able to go somewhere later in the day. And honestly, it was the teensiest nail ever, like the size of a pushpin. They took it out and said, Jess, you need new tires. Get them before it snows. So I tell my mom and my dad and they're like not wanting to see me get ripped off, you know, because I'm a lady going to a car shop, that stereotype. My mom told me to do some penny thing where like you take a penny and like you stick Abe's head into the tread. And if you see the top of his head, it tells you something. If it's full, if it's flat, whatever. I basically just threw a penny at the tire and was like, guess I don't need new tires. They seem fine. All right. So fast forward to this past week. We just had snow. The streets were fine, but I had to go to work. Literally only three minutes and 28 seconds away. The entire time I'm driving to work in the snow, I'm driving with that face. The face you make when you're constantly embracing for impact or something to happen. You're like (laughs) the entire time. I just drove around and I literally made that face all day. It was sore. So now as a result of me just procrastinating and not wanting to take the extra step of getting new tires or like doing the coin thing appropriately, I probably have more wrinkles, which will cost me more money for Botox and I will still have to buy the tires. Procrastination. That's, I think, one of the other things that we do more often than we think. But on the other hand, some of us work really, really well under pressure. So if you're going to procrastinate and you know that you work well under pressure, that's fine. But when you're emotionally exhausted and you have a mental hangover when you're done, That's why. Another example. When people say, I'm a multitasker. But are you? If you split 100% of your attention amongst multiple different things, you're actually just doing a terrible job at that task. For example, my attempt to hold four items in my hand while trying to get my change at the register, I was lazy. I just needed to slow it down and put things away like an appropriate adult. When we say we're multitasking, all we're really doing is switching back and forth between multiple tasks at the same time. Our brain capacity doesn't just multiply when we have multiple tasks. This usually yields more errors, but if we're in a clear, strong headspace entering multiple tasks, that can also make us feel more productive. Oftentimes, we self-sabotage because we feel insecure. The attitude of expect the worst and hope for the best is super, super common, With that attitude, though, you're basically saying that it's not going to work out, but it would be cool if it does. If we don't think confidently about ourselves or the situation that we're entering, we'll try to trick ourselves into believing that we don't care enough about the outcome anyway. Guys, that's just silly. Say it with me. I'm worth it. We try to convince ourselves that we don't care enough about the outcome because we want to protect ourselves from being hurt or let down. Sometimes we make things bigger or catastrophize it in our minds so that if it's not that bad, then we're not as hurt as we thought we would initially be. So guys, now we're all realizing that we're purposefully doing things to ruin our lives. Let's fix it. (music) 
As I mentioned in the first episode, realizing and having the self-awareness that we're doing this to ourselves is the main component of changing our behavior. Now that we know we've done it, we need to look at it objectively in third person from the outside. Like even imagine yourself as high as a body goes when it's being abducted by aliens. Look down at your life. You could literally ask yourself, why did I just say that? Literally, why did you just do that? If you really answer honestly, it could vary from, it could vary from, I was anxious about XYZ, or maybe you didn't do the thing because you didn't feel like doing it, or maybe you were feeling depressed or overwhelmed or tired. Stop taking on the extra emotional or physical work just because you assume your partner or colleague won't do it. Just ask them to help. This is the one that I'm working on. I'm like stomping around here and there and isolating when I could just ask. We can save ourselves a lot of energy and save ourselves from a lot of disappointment if we just take a moment to touch base with ourselves. Lastly, we have to accept that there will be hard feelings involved with anything that could put us at a loss or a gain in our lives. The idea of failing or winning sends our psyche into a tizzy. But guess what? We will have to spend most of our lives in a gray area, a murky area that we don't like, that feels bad, that pokes at our insecurities. If we know that what we're doing currently makes us feel bad, may as well try something else. So instead of doing all the work, delegate or ask for help. If you're building up resentment, take a deep breath and break your qualms into small bites. You have to eat an elephant one bite at a time. I don't know who said that, but at least it's not an oyster. Casually Concerned is brought to you by me, Jessica Taylor. I hope that you are so incredibly impressed by not just the content and my wisdom, but also the seamlessness and the sound. This episode was produced in partnership with Oh, It's Big Ron Studios. You can follow Ronald on Instagram at Oh, It's Big Ron Studios, and you can follow me on Instagram at the Casually Concerned Podcast. If you want to help the show grow, please go to Apple Podcasts and give Casually Concerned a five-star rating. This helps new listeners to discover the show, and it also inflates my ego. Tune in next time on Casually Concerned, because guys, if it's worth thinking about, it's worth talking about. Clear eyes, full hearts, can't lose. That's from Friday Night Lights. I don't know if you guys have ever seen that, but Coach Taylor is the number two TV dad I've always wanted. Number one being Dan Connor from Roseanne. Number three being, is it Randall or Roland? Randall from This Is Us. That show sucks, but Randall, if you're listening, On a serious note,